Hello humans, welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man-based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall, and thanks for listening. In this podcast, we chat to an array of business leaders from different sectors to learn more about them, their market, skill sets, and knowledge. We hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by Melanie. Thanks for joining me today, Melanie. For inviting me. <laughs> happy to be here. Perhaps to provide the listeners a little bit of background, uh, whereabouts did you grow up in your, your education? Okay, so I'm originally from London, North London. Um, went to all girls school in North London, North London Collegiate School. Then um, went on to university, got an economics degree. Um, and then I actually did a conversion course to law. So um, I, I uh, qualified as a solicitor um, and practiced um, property, property finance, commercial property um, for um, quite a few years. Um, I worked for uh, in the city at Allen Avery. Um, and then I emigrated to Switzerland. Okay. So then I had um, a big change in career <laughs> direction. So maybe just to get, just to get a little bit of background. So uh, the economic side, what does that what at that stage, what made you go down that route? Um, I did an economic day level. I was quite good at it. <laughs> quite enjoyed it. Um, and um, yeah, I just decided that would be that would be a, um, a good subject to take at university. I thought it would open a lot of doors. I was quite interested in journalism, so I thought actually thought at the time I might go into financial journalism, um, and I. I done some work experience um, like at the Evening Standard and um, some, some various publications. So originally, um, yeah, originally um, I was never sort of married to doing law. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought that I, I would do journalism and then, yeah, sort of transgressed into law. I, I'd, always, I'd always imagine economics and probably never got the brain capacity to even get near looking doing it, but it was just in whatever career you take, in the financial, well, not even in financial services, that it, it gives you such a broad uh, knowledge that you, it just works in many environments. I don't know whether you find that. Yeah, it really does. I mean, obviously, the basic principles, supply, demand, etc., in the everyday life, and um, they're everywhere. Um, and they did sort of they did carry on into um, some of the legal aspects when I was practicing as well. Um, so, yeah, the two sort of did go together quite well. Um, although um, I wouldn't really like to be tested on my economic theory now. It's quite a long time ago, a lot to go down that route. Um, but yeah, it, look, it was interesting. The, you know, the sort of macroeconomic theories at the time were, were really interested me. Um, but then, yeah, applying it to a job, I didn't actually directly want to go into economics as a career. I knew that. Um, I was always interested in sort of finance, um, more on the entrepreneurial side um than uh than going into the city um as a trader or an analyst or anything like that um so i always liked writing um which is something i still like doing um i write for publication even now but obviously i write about social media and about linkedin um so I, yeah i've written for quite a few publications um recently i write for the entrepreneur and uh, wealth briefing um so uh, yeah, now I've carried that on. And, and that path through law, uh, what again? What took you to that path of deciding to go to law? Um, <laughs> I've got to be honest. I got to the end of my university degree, and I wanted a well-paid job, and um, and I knew that 
it would unplease my parents if I did law. Um, I knew that they would be proud if I became a lawyer. So um, it just seemed like a sensible decision at the time. You know, it was it, law is interesting. Um, I was interested in property law in particular, actually. Um, I've always been interested um, in property. So um, my father is, was in property and um, it was something that interested me. So actually, although it was pretty intense, I did a conversion course for a year, which was intense studying. Um, it was actually incredibly interesting. Um, and um, I touched on lots of different um, areas and sectors before I um, decided to, to practice in property. Um, and yeah, I completed my training contract at a large international firm. Um, and then actually, then I worked for a smaller firm, um, more locally to where I lived after I had uh, children. Um, and before I moved to Switzerland, when I then changed, had a complete change of course, um, just because there wasn't any call for um, UK property lawyers um, when I moved to Geneva. And what was that change when you went to Geneva? Okay, well, I, I had a, a couple of changes because um, in the interim, I had young children when I, I moved. So I actually, I actually ran a, um, a cake business for two years. Um, so literally, I just used my, um, my passion for cooking and baking. And actually, I had done some um, sort of sugar craft courses. And so, so I actually did do it professionally, made wedding cakes, etc. for about 18 months until, um, until my husband told me to go back to getting a proper job and, uh, and earning proper money. Um, and then actually I worked again for a law firm. So I worked for a very large um, Panamanian law firm for eight years and I was doing their business development. And that's where I really um, became involved in using LinkedIn and um, seeing basically um, the potential and the advantages to companies, especially those in financial services. And um, I was the director of the corporate services arm of the law firm here in Geneva for about eight years. And that was really where I honed LinkedIn and um, yeah, and became just basically more and more skillful at the business development side of using LinkedIn. Before we, before we just dig into that, that element then, so that, that role of taking that business development role, was that, again, seems, you know, was that a daunting prospect or was that something, again, it seems a little bit different from the law aspect, obviously a lot different from cake making. Um, oh yeah, completely different from cake making. But actually, it, it was it was obviously a lot more cerebral, and um, actually, I really enjoyed going into um, I, I say in inverted commas. Um, I, I don't like to say proper work; that's demeaning. But um, a different, yeah, a, a more of an academic work. Um, and yes, um, I I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was. Yeah, completely, completely different. Um, but I enjoyed learning something new. Um, I was working with, um, well, it was based in Panama, actually, was the head offices. Um, so it, it was completely different learning about Panamanian companies, BVI companies, etc. Um, so I, I worked a lot with offshore jurisdictions. Um, and yeah, again, it, it was learning something completely different, but it was very much on the business development side. So um, rather than the legal side, really. Yeah, that is quite a bit different from cake making. So, yeah, that you mentioned just a few moments ago. Then getting more in, more uh, into the LinkedIn side of things. Yeah, I guess it's it looks a lot different as well. I mean, I'm more heavily using it in the last couple of years, but I guess since since the evolution of when you first started using it, it's it's moved on as a tool. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's permanently evolving LinkedIn as they bring out new features. Um, it's, it's complexion is definitely changing. Um, I wouldn't like to say for the better or for the worse, because everyone has a different perspective on this. For me, um, I don't like the moves that it's making towards um, becoming more like Instagram and Facebook, um, because for me, it's a real business tool and it should be used for that. And um, they've been bringing out some new features recently, um, which are moving very much towards, well, towards the social side, which of course it's a networking platform, but, um, but it, it means that it's being used by people less purely for business and more on the sort of like, um, you know, let's take a picture of my cat or my dog or my breakfast. And that I find quite, irritating um and it's it's sort of um it brings down the quality of the content that's on the platform um so you have to sift through your news feed through a lot of unbusiness related posts before you actually get to something that you want to share something that you want to engage in um and obviously there's ways of curating your feed on linkedin um, which was obviously when i'm training people um we we always discuss because people actually don't realize that you actually have to basically train the LinkedIn algorithm to show you the posts that you want to see. Um, and you can do that by following and unfollowing people um, and hiding certain posts so that the LinkedIn algorithm sees, okay, she wants to see less of these viral videos, but she wants to see more on the economic side and people posting um, about current affairs or about social media news or, you know, about what's going on in wealth management. And you can do this by following hashtags, etc. So that's, I mean, from my understanding, generally with those social media sites that they're, they're AI driven. So that AI is learning your habits. So you need to basically train it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you need to train the platform, but then there's just there's just certain things you can't get away from. This new feature of I don't know whether you've seen it on your mobile phone, the LinkedIn Stories. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, like Instagram. Yeah, it's like Instagram, um, and it's really um, it, yeah, it's really difficult. You're sort of scrolling through, and you know, again, the, there's all these pictures that should really they're more suited for people's Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. posts. Um, I mean, uh, from, from my from my side, I sort of I, I've done a couple of uh, videos and played around with Apple clips, etc. Because um, the stories are limited to twenty seconds, which is really short. So either you talk really, really, really fast, um, <laughs> or you record something on your phone in Apple clips and then break it up, etc. And put it on. But of course, it's all it's all really time consuming to put out content, which is quality, because I'd rather not put out anything than put out something that's rubbish. So actually, in the last week, I was I was looking at the stories and thinking, okay, you know, how can I really use these that so that mine are of value to people? Um, They're not um, annoying. And, um, you know, they are actually they are actually engaging. And for me, they actually will show off my brand and what we do. So actually, I've just started on a daily basis, literally posting in stories like one LinkedIn tip a day or one statistic um, so that they're just bite sized. So people can t- have one takeaway a day, you know, do this or, you know, it's useful to do this or don't do this. Um, just so that people actually get some value out of scrolling through my story rather than this sort of, I mean, 
I, I sort of do um, caveat that this by saying that it is important to be human on LinkedIn. It's, it's, a, it's a platform. And so obviously doing videos regularly, um, it's something that um, increases your visibility and people do like to see you as you. Um, so I've actually, I try and do myself, I try and um, mix up my content so that some of my videos are, let's say, nicely edited with logos and subtitles and sort of bits that zing in and zing out and, you know, they're, they're all nicely edited by my video editor. But then I, I do some, like I did one yesterday, just impromptu ones, which are just me showing you how to do something because I'll just be working or a client will ask me something. And I'll be like, actually, you know, I bet no one knows, like I bet most people don't know how to do that. And I'll just quickly do a video on Loom, um, you know, and show people and post it. And so I try and mix it up so that people do actually sort of see a real person rather than this sort of curated video image of, you know, just a professional. So, you know, I, I try and mix up my content. And before we maybe dig in a bit more about, the, about content in general, the, the transition from the Panama business into your own, uh, where, where was that? Did you just get to a stage of this is something I wish to pursue? Again, I, I think back to the cake, cake aspect, the, to, I guess, an entrepreneurial side within you. Uh, what was the sort of tipping point to, to go alone or to start? Uh, the Panama own? Papers, being honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there wasn't really much demand for, um, uh, yeah, for... Uh, sort of Panamanian companies and that and sort of offshore um, yeah. companies etc and um, so yeah the the, um, the the law firm actually pulled out of Europe and so I was like okay I need to it was all very amicable but I need to, to do something else and actually it was really it, it wasn't a huge decision for me or it, I had all the knowledge there so and I actually thought actually this has really just prompted me to do what I should have probably done before but obviously I was sitting in a nice comfy job um, so uh, yeah it just prompted me to start my own business which I absolutely love the flexibility of working for myself um, and just build like I've, I just really enjoyed building my business over the last few years um, you know sort of different different parts of it um, working with different people you know different areas um, not just people in finance um, I work with a lot of consultants and um, so, sort of solopreneurs um, so yeah, it was um, it was actually quite an easy transition, as in mindset, and I, yeah, and I had all the um, I sort of had all the knowledge ready to go. So, and I, I just saw this gap in the market actually from when I spoke to people, um, and I just realised how many people are on LinkedIn but not using LinkedIn. So they're on LinkedIn, and you know they have the app and they scroll through their feed, but they're not actually using it to bring in business and they're not really using their profile or they don't have their profile set up to bring in business. Um, so yeah, I've just really enjoyed, and I just, I really enjoy training as, a, um, I mean, sort of a large part of our business is um, now training as well as generating business actually for companies who employ us to do that. So um, there's sort of the dual aspect. So the, tra the training aspect, I assume it's going into corporates speaking with, the, I guess, the senior, more senior, I guess, because they're typically the ones doing more of the networking and then just educating them on the on the power of it. And Yeah, a lot of it, I also do a lot of one-to-one -one individual training. So both group training, I mean, everything's online now. So actually, but actually it's, it's been really easy through Zoom and screen sharing. It actually works really well. 
So I've done, yeah, so I do either group training for corporates um, or one-to-one, -one, people just book a one-to-one -one training for an hour um, and we go through how to fully sort of search engine optimize their LinkedIn profile so that they rank higher in searches by Google and by LinkedIn and how by optimizing their profiles, they can gain more profile views and more people being drawn to their profile. Yeah, okay. And we're now in November, nearly November, uh, COVID where everyone's kind of obviously gone virtual anyway, which I'd, I'd, I'd suspect in many ways has helped a bit, help your business. The same time you talked to us before we came on out there about potentially over time marketing budgets everyone's just kind of tightening the tightening the belts at the moment because of the unknown but the flip side i guess is as well that the use of a social platform like linkedin is ultimately free so while there's education and out output to, to pay for that training on day one the, the the return of using it efficiently can be very effective because ultimately most of us probably won't be traveling for the foreseeable future so those budgets for traveling were x you're probably going to need a proportion of that to, to pay for training for, for, for this type of thing. So therefore, you'd like to be in your position quite well in the, in the current climate. Not that you want to obviously take advantage of the situation, but yeah. really, it's more than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's always been difficult when you're posting and you think sort of, okay, you know, you don't want to sound like you're milking the situation for, for all it's worth, you know. So it's sort of like pointing out the advantages and how you can use it given the situation without you know, right, we've got the situation, I'm going to try and earn as much as I can out of it. And, you know, also being sensitive to other people's situations. There's a lot of job seekers out there at the moment. And I try and do pro bono work as well, sort of one, once a month, you know, optimizing someone's profile and not charging somebody who, you know, will come to me. There's a lot of job seekers who come to me to optimize their profiles. Um, you know, it's just the environment that we're in, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier, again, before we came on, we were just chatting about the free, co free, free content for, 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 I suppose, customers and people viewing, whether it's your business uh, LinkedIn profile or your own individual profile, and you feel there's a lot of value in that. Absolutely. I mean, I would always suggest anyway, the, using sort of the 80-20 rule, where 80% of what you put out there is value and 20% is promotion. Um, and you always find, say, promotional posts, they will get very little engagement, um, but they're really good for keeping top of mind of people. So it's a bit like unpaid advertising. So, I mean, when we are, um, when we're working with clients, um, we would normally put out for them probably two promotional posts a week, but the rest would be posts that are of value or of interest to their to their desired audience. And this is actually one of the key things is that you put out content that is not necessarily of interest to you and about, uh, about just what you do, but things that are of interest to the people you want to attract as clients. Um, so for example, I'm I'm not per se in, in wealth management, but I will often share articles about um, wealth management and family offices and marketing um, because those are topics that are of interest to a lot of my audience. Um, but, uh, so, but going back to what you said about giving free content, absolutely. I mean, 
I probably share um, at least one guide or um, or ebook or some sort of um, content like that a week, which is free. Generally, you don't have to, I don't ask people to input email addresses for my content. Occasionally I might, I mean, I'm, I'm running a business, so occasionally I might, but it's really, I might do that in one in 10 pieces that I put out, um, if that. Um, I think it's really important. It just builds your credibility, builds trust, builds goodwill. And I mean, I, I, as I said to you before, um, before we were recording that um, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Mel, you put out too much too much free stuff, um, you give away too much. But actually, I find that the return on investment is large and it's really rewarding because um, people get used to, to seeing your content and using it. And then, um, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen. People will ask me questions, like they'll send me private messages saying, oh, can you just tell me like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I never say, oh, no, because, you know, book a proper coaching session with me and, and pay for it. And I always give ad hoc advice. But then I've had I've done that sometimes for people for over a period of like 16 months, 18 months. And then they'll, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, um, you know what, actually, I want to put in place a proper LinkedIn strategy for my company now. Um, we really want to use it in, in a defined way to bring in new clients. And then, you know. I've secured a client. So for that bit of free information I've given out over time, I've actually then, you know, I've gained so much more. Yeah. So so when you've interestingly, when you've got when you're dealing with clients, and I don't know whether it's a challenge you find where I suppose all businesses, when they look at marketing, marketing budgets and the return on that, there's there's various avenues, whether you know, work's just come from referrals, whether it's just existing clients. How how do you how do you help firms or, or show firms that this particular element of the marketing budget, the LinkedIn side, that, that you can attach attach value to it? Or is there, there are always some gray area, should we say? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, marketing as, as a whole is always, um, people want guarantees and quantifiable results, but, and that's something I appreciate because obviously if, if I purchase something, I also want to see something material in return. Um, so the, the way that, um, people usually look at it is that they can see straight away normally when they work with us um, they will look at their LinkedIn and immediately see that their views go shooting up within about the first week um, as they'll see that using it on um, a regular basis because the key to success on LinkedIn is consistency and regularity and being seen there on a daily basis um, and so you will automatically see that side. You'll see more people looking at your profile, more approaches. Um, but the way that we work is that we set up private messaging campaigns for clients. So they are reaching out to people on a daily basis um, with conversational messages. And it's through that that they gain material clients. So, so that is that is that the what you refer to the lead generation side of things? Yes, but we we I mean we don't do any paid advertising for clients um, because we actually um, find that we can gain significant results for them and new clients using organic um, organic campaigns just using private messaging. 
Um, and I'm not talking about spammy messaging. I'm talking about sort of um, personalized, curated messages that people don't feel have gone to 20 other people. Oh, okay. Okay. And for, for someone that perhaps, I wouldn't say new to LinkedIn because I'm sure it's used by most businesses, but somebody wanting to start that path of exploring more of the value, where, where's the start point? Um, phoning me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but second, second to that, um, I always suggest that people who want to use LinkedIn properly um, to actually use it for business purposes, you need to have a paid account. So people who are using it on a daily basis, um, I they should upgrade to Sales Navigator. Okay. And people sometimes are immediately like, oh, um, you know, 60 pounds a month, you know, what am I going to get from this? But actually, it's really key to not just reaching out to anybody, but making sure the people you're reaching out to are on target for your, let's say, a desired ideal client. Um, I mean, for, the, for those um, people who are listening who um, don't know anything about Sales Navigator, um, it gives you the option to really filter down um, lists of potential people that you'd like to speak to, to, for example, how much experience they've got in terms of years, their seniority, obviously the companies they work for, the industries. Um, and by the same rationale, you can exclude people. So, you know, you might want to connect with um, people who are in the energy sector, but aren't in a particular area of that. So you could exclude biofuel or whatever. And, um, you know, it, it just allows you really targeted, detailed filtering, um, which is important when you're reaching out because you only have a certain amount of invitations you can send on LinkedIn a day. And um, you don't want to waste those on, you know, if you're generally, we would be reaching out to senior people. So CEOs, um, partners, owners of, of firms, founders, um, and for the most part, um, you wouldn't want to be then connecting with assistance to those people because it's a waste of invitations. They're not decision makers. And I just mentioned there a couple of different industries. Ultimately, the, 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 the process and the philosophy, whatever, whatever industry you're in, for you guys, the, the process is very similar in regards to the promotion side and use of, of LinkedIn as a, as a tool. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I would say so the majority of our clients are in financial or legal services or consultants. So, you know, whether they're in fintech on that side of things or, you know, it, it completely varies across the board. But having said that, we also um, we also have some more random clients. So we, um had a long term client um, with a divorce consultancy based in London. Um, so it, it's not, you know, um, I deal with, um, we work with life coaches and um, executive coaches, um, increasing their visibility and um, gaining them, um, getting them appointments. Um, so it, it's not limited because as you said, you're completely right. It's the same strategy, um, really, whatever, whatever field you're in. Okay. And just to uh, just to go right back to earlier, and the question I meant to ask early on, I noticed what in your, I think from your LinkedIn profile when you're on when you're at uh, uni, you used to uh, work on a call center, nightline call center. What was that yeah. experience like? I presume that was a volunteer type. Of, it was. It was. Goodness, that was a long time ago. But yes, it was. It was a, sort of a bit like the Samaritans, but for students. Okay. 
apart from the fact that you obviously got quite a few drunk people phone up. Um, but it was it was a really interesting experience. Um, yeah, and so I, I did that for I think about a year actually. Oh. Hazy now. <laughs> when I was at university, it was about a year. Um, but it was actually really interesting the training that because obviously they they give you training before you before you go ahead and can uh, sort of let loose on people because obviously uh, apart from these sort of people who are uh, drunk <laughs> at university, there are people who phone up with serious problems. Um, so yeah, it was um, it, yeah it was uh, yeah. Quite, quite enlightening and rewarding actually at the time because most of what you do at university is um all about partying yeah yeah no absolutely <laughs> i mentioned i spoke twofold i mentioned it because certainly more recently chatting to people on the podcast and just through business that volunteering uh maybe i don't know whether i'm just seeing it more but there seems to be more of that and people talking about you mentioned that the exact words there the rewarding aspects of, of doing that yeah i mean i think you're right and there's even on linkedin they've brought in all these new um sort of uh, emojis and support emojis that you can uh, support posts and you can um yeah exactly you can um advertise jobs that are volunteer jobs so i think that i think the platforms are obviously conscious of this as well that people want to get more and more involved and i think at the moment especially with um sort of the markets and the economic situation worldwide as it is that there there are so many people that need help um and also can't afford to pay for help and as i said i mean i do um some pro bono work as well with some job seekers um usually sort of once a month um and i mean yeah it's it's that rewarding aspect as well because obviously we're caught up into our in our sort of uh revenue yeah. <laughs> revenue um sort of streams on a daily basis which uh, you know for most of us is is a necessity but um but it's quite nice to do to do something that's a bit more charitable sometimes or yeah, at least yeah. use, maybe use your like i i enjoy actually using the, the sort of business skills that i have to help to help other people yeah no couldn't, couldn't agree more and if uh, people want to reach out to you now what's the best way to do that uh, either by emailing me at melanie at trevazansocial.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. So I'm Melanie Goodman and my company is Trevazan. Okay, great. Appreciate that. We'll, we'll add them to our show notes as well. Appreciate spending uh, a little bit of your time today chatting, educating us a little bit more on LinkedIn, which I think we all, you know, certainly in the business world, use more and more. Uh, it's been very, uh, very informative. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone.